welcome to Her Fantasy Football, where this is the bonus track. I'm your host, Courtney Kirby. And I'm Ashley Williams. And I am Brandon Lee. And today we have a very special guest. And by request of Twitter, I'm telling you guys, it's been crazy. We have the fantasy football girl, Liz Loza. Hello. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for uh, inviting me on. There there is so much pro- football femme power on this podcast that I I, I don't even know what there's gynecomastia is inevitable that's right (laughs) that's right my ovaries are aching with excitement and anticipation that's kind of way (laughs) so Liz Loza is like the best you can follow her on twitter at the ff girl you can also hear her on the x's and y's podcast and you can see her on scout.com and of course check out the fantasyfootballgirl.com which started it all so She's pretty much amazing, and uh, we're so excited to have her finally on the show because, once again, Twitter's going crazy. And our mutual friend, Nano DeFino of SiriusXM, uh, also keeps bringing up how we need to chat. He is the best, and he harasses me, and it's pretty awesome. So, uh, anyway, so let's just start. So, we obviously do a podcast, so we're really interested in about how you got started with the X's and Y's podcast. And, um, you know, I mean, that's how we first got to know you, and it's such a fun show. Thank you. Thank you. We just recorded an episode uh, a couple of hours ago. My co-host John Evans and I met through a mutual friend, uh, another female football friend, not that I want to relay rely on gender and, and stuff like that too much. But um, basically, I... So here's the truth is I was on an airplane and I read this article in American Ways magazine called Queens of Sunday. And I had started the fantasyfootballgirl.com maybe a season prior, less than a year before. And I pocketed it and thought, hmm, I'm going to want to reference this. There's some good stats in here for a future article. I just know it. So I ripped it out, uh, ended up using some of the stats in an article about Ben Roethlisberger when he was uh, accused of sexually assaulting uh, a, a young lady in a bathroom. And decided that I would follow up and contact the person who wrote it. She happened to also be living in L.A. We had drinks, hit it off, became very good friends. She had this this other friend named John who uh, was doing – he's a screenwriter, a very successful writer, and wanting to trans uh, move into the sports space a little bit. And he had a couple of podcasts. And so we were bickering back and forth while watching football at one of the local bars on a Sunday afternoon. And my girlfriend, Amy said, you two should start a podcast. I said, well, that's a great idea. I had been at the time recurring on the fantasy football guys podcast. uh, And those guys kind of gave me my first break in, in podcasting. I still do their show every week. And, um, was looking to do my own and expand though. And so John and I decided to start the X's and Y's podcast, a his and hers guide to fantasy football. And at that time there weren't uh, many co-ed podcasts on the, on the old iTunes. So we did. And now we uh, are wrapping up goodness, our fourth season. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's so exciting. It's a good story. Tell us a bit about uh, being part of the 2014 SBs and Nickelodeon kids choice sports awards. That's a, that's so cool. Yeah, well, that's one of the fun things about living in Los Angeles is those, unfortunately, I don't get to hang out with Nando all day because I don't live, you know, in the capital of the world. It's probably good for your <laughs> liver. Well, you know, I, I drink an awful lot of wine out here. Uh, <laughs> just trading. Like, Booze is not regional, Brandon. No, but Nando is. No, just kidding. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I have, uh, I had had done some red carpet work previously and covered a couple of film festivals and had worked as uh, worked on camera 
in various capacities throughout my career. And so a person asked me if I wanted to, playerpress.com asked me if I wanted to cover the SB's red carpet for them for their site. And I gladly obliged. And then a week later, I did week actually I think the next day actually I did the uh the first ever Nickelodeon Kids Choice Sports Awards I have a girlfriend who's an exec at Nickelodeon and Player Press liked what had happened the day before at the ESPYs and so they asked me to go ahead since I had a connection and could get a press pass pretty easily to cover that and it was awesome I mean of the two events I will say that my biggest interview was probably Russell Wilson at the Nickelodeon gig he is the most boring interview you have ever had. I'm not surprised with how he whispers in those commercials. I mean, really lovely person. He brought his sister as his date, but I was instructed to ask him about certain things, which is totally fine. And again, I was more than happy to do it. And he was very respectful, but just not, not exactly a bubbling B- bubbling bucket of charisma, not so much. Um, but your boy, you should be. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Julius. What's his name? Julius, Julius Thomas. Thomas. He was lovely, so sweet. Loves fantasy football. Played it with his father. Was just incredibly effusive. Stopped at every single person on the red carpet. It didn't matter how small or large of a media outlet you were representing. He stopped and gave everyone his time. He's enormous. After the um, interview stopped, I actually, uh, I'm uh, smaller. And so he said, uh, you're little. And my back hurts from hunching over. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm okay. And so I was like, can I put my hand in your hand just to see? (laughs) 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 So I put my hand, he was very sweet about it. I put my hand up um, on top of his hand. And I was just like, you are a giant. (laughs) so he was very sweet the other person the other notable interview was from the ESPYs was a Joyke Bell where I at the time it sounded so good in my brain because I was thinking about fantasy and this is July so we're like doing all of the preseason rankings and really getting into it all those best balls and early fishbowl drafts and stuff and so I said Joyke Bell you're my favorite handcuff (laughs) right which he um which he was like yeah I try to help you out there and it got a little awkward but he was very sweet about it so I would say those those three were probably the biggest highlights of the two events I wonder Uh, I've been thinking about you the last few weeks huh that's good stuff (laughs) I like I'm gonna have to find a situation where I can use that line you are my favorite handcuff (laughs) I'm gonna have to well, and this year, I mean, hasn't he? I've drafted, I own lots of him, and I've drafted plenty of him. And he's not been so much a handcuff, right? No, it's he's a good guy now. It's exciting. And even in the passing game. So I'm excited. I'm, I would like to believe that maybe I helped push that along, help motivate him to surpass Reggie Bush on the on the depth chart there. Undoubtedly. Uh, unquestionably, yeah. <laughs> Well, tell us a little about Scout.com. So you're doing some really great work there. So tell us, you know, how you're going to finish out the season and what we can look forward to in the upcoming season. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, every they everyone at Scout has been absolutely wonderful. Um, I am a fully employed fantasy expert for Scout.com, and I am so impressed with the people that I get to work with every day, and they have given me an incredible amount of creative space to write about, write or do videos about whatever I I really feel like. I mean, they trust their analysts that much and they should because we were vetted. 
um, quite intensely. But, you know, this week I really, my joy in fantasy football, some people love trading. Some people love fab budgets, drafting. I have always had a soft spot for finding sleepers. And, you know, sometimes you hit, sometimes you don't. So I really like in these last few weeks for finding some great value picks. I do a fantasy stock watch video every week that'll probably move more into dynasty as we close out the regular season. I do a regular running backs roundup column every, uh, every Saturday. I think it's posted. So I think we're going to probably transition into dynasty, maybe look for value picks. I'm also going to start doing some news fantasy spin news type stuff as the news crops up. Like for instance, I know we'll talk about later, uh, Jay Cutler benched in favor of Jimmy Clausen. What does that mean for his receivers? I would say, if I were writing this right now, Elshon Jeffrey gets a, a demotion in value while Martellus Bennett's value stays the same, maybe a slight uptick. So something like that, I'm going to be doing those fantasy spin articles, just little blurbs about the news and how they would affect you know, fantasy, whether it's dynasty moving forward, that sort of stuff. Great. And I'm wondering how exactly being on the Bears is going to affect their fantasy value. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, but I... It's a downtick. Yeah, oof yeah, Wow. I mean, so you are about a Bears fan. Um, so we're going to get there right now because that's okay. exactly it. Jay Cutler has been benched for Jimmy Clausen. I think the, the Monday night game was, was one of epic proportions. And all I kept saying via Twitter and everything else was just Matt Forte deserves better. And I think that's really the theme of the season for the Bears. <laughs> Poor Matt Forte. His talent is so immense. And I'm just... So as Broncos fans, though, we hear you with the Jay Cutler. So this is the moment. Liz, true fan, true fantasy football player. What can we take away from Jay Cutler, the Bears, et cetera? I actually think... So I would love to get on my soapbox and, box and rant. I mean, I have been saying as I told you guys offline, I have never been a Jay Cutler apologist. I've never thought that he was the answer in Chicago. Um, I, in fact, when we got Tressman, thought, this makes me very nervous because we have a quarterback whisperer, if you will, in Mark Tressman, and we have a quarterback who doesn't really want to be whispered to. And that, I think, is the, is the ultimate problem with Jay Cutler. Uh, I think he's also an incredible lesson if we're looking on a macro level of the importance of intangibles in a player. You can have the strongest arm, but if you're not willing to do the work and figure out your mechanics and you just want to coast because that's worked for you, you're not going to be a franchise quarterback. Maybe you can dupe people into paying you however million, I don't even want to remember the amount of millions that he's owed, but eventually... If you're not Peyton Manning looking at the clipboard, really buying into the offense and buying into it, not just, you know, Monday through Saturday, um, but when it comes, when you get onto the field, actually thinking, all right, I'm going to trust my coach. I'm going to trust that I shouldn't throw a deep ball to Brandon Marshall, who's got a hobbled ankle and double coverage, or maybe I shouldn't throw it so far above his head that he ends up with a broken ribs and a punctured lung. Maybe that's a, maybe I should actually try developing other skills because I've already got that strong arm thing. And I just don't think he has that it, that leadership quality, that if you will, Genesis qua to really lead a team. And since Brian Erlacher, who was the previous heart and spirit center of that team has left, they've, that, that, I mean, they've, they've not been able to gel and be a cohesive unit. And that's, I mean, we saw 
how the Seahawks were able to do that, not to put salt in an old wound, but that's what they did. They came together with the Patriots of, you know, the early 2000s. They were a team, and that – this isn't basketball. You can't Michael Jordan your way to the, to a Super Bowl. So, so I think that that's yeah, that's, that's a, the big problem with Jay Cutler, and you know, other places will take him. Um, Tampa Bay obviously needs a quarterback. There's a Lovey Smith connection there. Um, Jeff Fisher in St. Louis has been a, a fan of Jay Cutler, so he could potentially go there. Um, there are places for him. I, the Titans, I mean, he's a Vanderbilt guy. I know he has family in Nashville. He could go down to Tennessee. I, I don't know where he's going to land. I think at the end of the day, he's always been Mr. Potential. He's never gotten there, and he's not a spring chicken. He's been in the league a long time, so we 31. have to stop using that language. I don't know why every time we start a new season, we think we're going to get a new Jay Cutler. Well, I don't you know, know why. such a gift, in that, like, just a raw talent gift in that canon of his, and you think, like, man, if, if Peyton could have that arm, holy banana, like, what you could have. In, so it seems like he has the thing that you can't make, but he doesn't have the thing that you have to make because he doesn't have it in him to make it, you know? Well, and Peyton Manning's um, father time. So it's a, it, I feel like we just can't <laughs> – we can't expect the same thing anymore from him. And you know what? Jay Cutler's right on the verge. So if he doesn't have his arm, what does he have? I guess that's my question. So why are we paying him a gazillion dollars to be subpar? I – I, I wish, I mean, go. you should write Phil Emery a letter. I, am, I will. I will be like, excuse me. No, the second I saw that contract, I was like, oh, I, I'm getting like Broncos flashback from like when we couldn't win a game. And I just call him the coach killer because let me tell you, that's all he does, Fire, oh, gets coaches could, fired. I mean, we had a shot at getting Bruce Arians. He would have gotten even Bruce Arians fired. Bruce Arians is, is yeah. going to the playoffs <laughs> with Brian Lindley under center. He's making Sorry. it happen. <laughs> Offensive mastermind, and he'd be gone. Yeah. Absolutely. I would like to see, if, if Tressman is out, I would like to see, and uh, I mean, I know this is doubtful, but give me Rex Ryan on defense if he doesn't, if he won't take, if, if he, he doesn't get a head coaching job. I'd love to see Rex Ryan come back to the city and do us like his daddy did. Um, but I would prefer to have Tressman handling our offense over Jay Cutler. You know, I've heard – it's interesting because you hear players love – like Lovey Smith, players love to play for Lovey Smith. They'll win, but they love to play for him. And I'm not sure that players love to play for Mark Tressman, but I wonder if it's because – The toxic leader, energy from Jay. Well, that's – yeah, like – because Josh McCown loved playing with Mark Tressman, and it worked. So I wonder if you have the right, the right intangibles, the right energy, the right mindset, the right football IQ buy-in, then all of that starts to spread energetically. And, like, I don't want to sound all woo-woo and stuff, but it's obviously a huge part of the equation, even if all of the calculator brains out there are only focusing on clipboards and X's and O's. And you know what? there's no other reason why that offense wouldn't succeed if- and it's consistent. He's done this everywhere he's gone. Jay Cutler's yeah. the only constant. Yeah. That's Just a great point. You know, there. there's a, I forget who it is now off the top of my head. He's a contributor for ESPN. And he called him Goldilocks Cutler, which I thought was such an astute point because Jay Cutler needs everything just right. He needs just the right offensive line, <laughs> just the right receivers. And he started calling him Goldilocks Jay Cutler 
early this season. I thought that was absolutely spot on. It's sad, but true. And well, I mean, we may have a chance to see him on a third team to see if that one's just right for him. But let's see about, you know, how you prepare for your fantasy draft, Liz, in terms of like specific traits and behaviors that you look for at the beginning of the season, what kind of research you do. Uh, probably helpful to know kind of how you kind of get prepared for it. It is a melange for sure. I mean, I look at coaching changes and how that might affect different offenses. Um, Gary Kubiak, for instance, going to Houston. Okay, well, I thought Owen Daniels would have more of a year because Kubes likes to use the tight end in his offenses. Daniels was a bit banged up. He's an older guy. I think with a younger, like Crockett Gilmore, um, as a dynasty perspective, that's interesting because he can be groomed within the Kubiak offense. Uh, North Turner to Minnesota, you would imagine, again, a tight end or a quarterback there would start to ascend if you look at his history in San Diego and Cleveland. And now, Teddy Bridgewater, things are starting to click. We've, we've you know, forgotten about the Corderell Patterson route. Instead, Chuck Johnson, the Grand Valley State product, has started to emerge as the most targeted uh, receiver in Minnesota, and he and Bridgewater have nice rapport. And so it's nice to see. So I like to look at those coaching um, the coaching changes and sort of see, I mean, I think that's part of the reason people were so high on Corderell because he has this immense talent and he'd have North Turner, but it didn't, he just didn't have the football IQ. So sometimes you miss, sometimes you hit. I also look at volume, especially for running backs, uh, a running back who moves to a new situation. What kind is he in line for a committee or is he in line to see the lion's share of the work? And so I just, you know, kind of concentrate on the offenses and how they've changed from the season prior to the next. It's so true. I think think a lot of people need to take that into consideration more because, you know, like Bruce Arians, you're saying, or Chip Kelly, it has such a huge impact on a team. Right. And who they're using uh, with the offensive coordinators, right? Uh, Like um, Lindemann, Lindemann, why am I, the guy in Dallas, the OC in Dallas, um, Scott. You mean it's not Jerry Jones? <laughs> no. <Scott laughs> Always. Linehan, Scott Linehan. Always. Uh, Scott Linehan in Dallas. Yeah. I really liked, thought, okay, pay, uh, Tony Romo is going to uh, uh, do some well, like a, a, he's going to have some nice production here. He's going to be a nice value pick in fantasy. And he has been for where you drafted him because Scott Linehan has a, a heavy play, like a lot of passing in his offense. So I like to look at, at those sort of moves. Bill Lazor in Miami is another example. Tannehill having trouble with that deep ball still, but Lazor was able to adjust, and I think that's really helped the emergence of Jarvis Landry, who I was really high on, uh, like beginning first third of the of the season because you could see, okay, this this offense is clicking. Landry was undrafted, but I like to look at that stuff and not just look at the box scores or you know the. ESPN says this many targets or whatever. I think you have to like dig a little deeper than that. And offensive line moves. That's another one that people don't count. They discount because an offen- a, a healthy offensive line, as we've seen in Dallas, can totally change the makeup of an offense and its success. I mean, DeMarco Murray, this is his first injury. This is a guy who people wouldn't draft for because of durability issues. And now he may play with a broken hand. I don't know about all that, but he may play with a broken hand in week 16 and they run the hell out of them. And that's because yep. of their offensive line. So I think you really have to look at O-line changes too. I'm just overly surprised he was practicing today after getting surgery on that broken hand. He is crazy. 
Make sure to hop over to HerFantasyFootball.com and check out our rankings and posts. Um, you can chat us up on Twitter at HerFantasyFB and on Facebook backslash HerFantasyFootball. Good luck, everybody. Until next time, no more faking it. Oh.